What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Arnie's. We are three guys looking to save the rebellion and save the dream with nothing better to do. I'm Matt Johnson, and I would happily sacrifice my life for B2 Emo. I'm Keith Baker, and I'm rocking Canary War Paint today. And I'm Austin Terry, and my God, is this better than the Obi-Wan show? <laughs> I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. Uh, on today's show, of course, we are talking about the newest Star Wars Disney Plus show. I know Austin's happy about that. It's not Obi-Wan Kenobi anymore. It's now Andor. But before we get to that, what would we get in trouble for outside a club in Star Wars? I feel like I would run into Luke at the bar and he'd be drinking like that green milk from like that one monster tit and he would try to force it on me. He'd be like trying to buy me a shot of it and I would get pissed off at him and I'm like, no, I'm not taking a shot of that. And then he'd call me outside for a little, a little duel, I guess you could say. And then he'd force choke you and be like, oh, I didn't know I had that in me. <laughs> <laughs> As we've seen, you can really do quite a lot in these kind of seedy places, and it doesn't matter. I mean, you guys remember in A New Hope when some guy is just kind of slightly bothering Obi-Wan Kenobi a little bit, and he responds by cutting off his entire hand? <laughs> Nothing really came of that. Obi-Wan's had a lot of bar moments. Remember in Attack of the Clones when he was at the bar and that one guy was bugging him and he used his uh, Jedi mind control to tell him to go home and rethink his life? Do we ever see the after effects of the mind trick? Like, does, does it hurt you at all? Do you like just like go back to normal or is there any lasting damage? Like, do these people all get CTE from being Jedi mind tricked on? I'm sure there is because uh, we tend to ignore the fact that the Jedi Order itself has a lot of problems. Mm, right. <laughs> <laughs> we also can't forget when Han shot first in the bar, and there were no consequences for that. That is true. Han did murder somebody. And again, nothing really came of that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that's enough bar talk for now. I'm sure we'll get into some more later. Uh, but let's just go ahead and get to the main topic of today's show. This is an interesting one. I don't know how you guys were feeling in the lead up to this, but it's been a long time coming for Andor. Obviously, we first met Cassie and Andor back in 2016 in Rogue One, um, which takes place five years after this show, where this show is set. So we meet Cassian real quick. He's kind of a dick, but he's part of the Rebels, and then he and Jyn Erso and the crew team up. They get the Death Star plans, but they all sacrifice their lives in the process. So in 2018, actually, they announced this show. So four years in the making, which seems crazy. And this is, without question, out of all of, like, the initial batch of MCU and Star Wars shows that they were announcing, I did not care about this show. I didn't understand, really, the need for it, because, A, I know a lot of people like Rogue One, so I know I'm in the minority on that one, but it's like, I don't know, are we going to, like, feel really any different about these characters if we spend more time with them? Like, is it really going to be that big of a deal? Like, I like Diego Luna, but... I don't know, did Cassian make enough of an impression in that movie that we need an entire show about him? So I didn't really care. And then the years keep going by, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm still hearing about Andor in the news. Like, I wish we would just come out so I can stop hearing about it. I don't care about this show. Um, but as it got closer, they were kind of teasing the idea, well, this is called Andor, but really, it's kind of about those years, you know, directly leading into A New Hope, where the rebels are kind of formed in the first place. And I was like, okay, that could be kind of an interesting show with some, you know, political intrigue of how did the Rebel Alliance even form in the first place in the shadow of the Empire? So, you know, as time went on, I got more excited and then I started liking more Star Wars stuff like Mando season two. Um, and now <laughs> I shouldn't have I shouldn't have used plural language there because I, I don't like anything else. I don't like um, any of the other live action stuff. So I sh just the Mando season two. But. As I got closer, I got more excited, and even though I'm with Austin, I didn't really like Obi-Wan Kenobi very much as well. I liked it more than him, but there were elements of like, oh, because Obi-Wan takes place before this even, and they were already kind of teasing the rebels maybe, you know, getting their shit together and forming some opposition. So I kind of got excited after seeing that and knowing that was a big part of Andor. So that's enough of my ramble. I want to know... Austin and Keith, let everyone know how you're feeling about the current state of Star Wars, maybe some expectations you had going into this show, and what are your non-spoiler thoughts on the first three episodes of Andor? Yeah, kind of like you, Matt. I'm, I'm someone that loves Rogue One. Rogue One's my favorite Star Wars movie, but I had no interest in this show either when they originally announced it. I think Rogue One is perfect in the fact that it's just a story, a side story in Star Wars, and we don't really need anything else from it. So I never really had any intrigue in the Andor show either. As for where we stand with the current state of everything today, 
the only thing I really like right now with Star Wars is The Mandalorian. I thought Book of Boba Fett was just so-so. I thought Obi-Wan is genuinely one of the worst things to come out this year. <laughs> so I, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty down on the state of Star Wars today. And going into my non-spoiler thoughts on Andor, I think this is the best thing they've put out this year. I keep seeing the term Star Wars for grown-ups put out online, and I think that's a pretty apt praise for the show. It feels so far apart from anything else we've seen with the Jedi and, and just the Force and everything else that we're used to in Star Wars. It feels different. It feels new. It feels grounded. It's everything I was kind of hoping we were going to get from the Obi-Wan show that we ended up not getting. So I'm having a great time with it. I think these two episodes are great, and I can't wait to see where the show goes from here. Yeah, uh, State of Star Wars for me, I'm definitely higher up on these live action compared to that trash trilogy they put out, you know, in the past decade. Definitely disappointed with what we got with Obi-Wan and Boba. I liked a lot. I'm a lot higher on both than, than Austin is, but definitely think they had potential for some more. Um, I'm with you, Austin. Mando is probably my highlight as far as the live action stuff, uh, live action shows goes right now. Going into uh, Andor... Yeah, same with you guys. I had no interest in Cassian. I thought he was an okay character in Rogue One, and I loved Rogue One. It's an awesome movie. I guess maybe because he died in Rogue One, I was just like, okay, like what are we gonna like? What are we gonna see? You know about his life before this? I mean, I don't know. Um, but it's Star Wars, so I have to watch it. And going into it, definitely started off a little slow for me, but was interested, to, you know, to see how these characters are gonna play out. And we got some new characters introduced, which is cool. And, you know, I'm very interested in see how, how they are going to become, you know, rebels, because we know that's what it's leading towards. I don't want to give away too much, because I, I know episodes two and three are definitely more of my highlights. So I'll leave it at that. So far, I'm, I'm liking it as it goes on, but I wasn't impressed right off the bat. Yeah, I kind of already gave my spiel on the state of Star Wars. Very in line with you guys. It's very hit or miss. I mean, you know, when thinking about Disney Plus in particular, uh, I think the MCU side, kind of the other big franchise they have is doing much better and even though there's still by god there's still way too many shows i can't believe they just like announced disney plus and here we are just a few years later and there's like 50 it's it's, it's crazy <laughs> i don't understand how they had to do that much so fast uh star wars we haven't gotten as much but my big caveat there and keith maybe you can jump in if there's any like fun things or recommendations but I've said it for a few years now, ever since The Mandalorian came out, and I still will do it, but I just have not gotten around to any of the animation stuff. And I know that's a huge thing for Star Wars. I know, like, Bad Batch is, like, a newer thing. They did more Clone Wars stuff. So I do want to get around to that. Um, just hasn't happened yet. I do bring that up because it does seem like people like those way more than yeah. the, the live-action stuff as of late. So, you know, I guess I should say that to be positive. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you guys. I think really just getting an getting it out of the way right off the top if andor wasn't a star wars story and it was just kind of a i don't know just like an original like sci-fi show um i would still think it's good but definitely slow and not like a good kind of slow burn just like okay you know yeah i like these characters i like what they're doing but it's taking a little while the pacing's a little wonky but the fact that it is Star Wars, and like Austin said, it's just so different from anything that they've done before. Like, yes, those, um, like the seeds of Rogue One, you can still see them here. Like, I think if there's any Star Wars property you can compare this to, it is Rogue One, which obviously makes sense because a lot of the same team is involved. But yeah, I, I really like that they did three episodes off the bat. I've been critical of this sometimes in the past. It's obvious why they did three episodes because the first episode, not a whole lot happens. I think the first one is just to kind of without spoiling anything, that one gets you back into this type of Star Wars story. I think the second episode is more about reintroducing you to Cassian. And then the third episode is where they're like, okay, we got the intros out of the way. Let's actually tell you what this show is going to be about story-wise. And I, yeah, by the time we got to the end of episode three, I was fully bought in. And then I started going, okay, not only is this a good Star Wars show, but now I'm coming around. I think there was some weird pacing stuff, like I said, but now I think this is just a really good show and I'm having a blast with it. Um, I'm excited that it's a longer season. You know, we have a 12 episode season, so there's still nine episodes left. I think it's going to be some kind of fun, longer form storytelling. And yeah, I really liked it. Diego Luna crushed it. I'm really liking the new characters already, even though we haven't gotten to spend a, a lot of time with a whole bunch of them. But I'm really intrigued by this one. I'm really excited to see how this is going to go. And like I said, the rebel alliance element of it, um, very intriguing. So yeah, all around, really enjoyed it. Yes, here and there, some pacing stuff and some weirdness, but overall, really liking Andor. 
even the empire side of things in this show, I, I'm finding very interesting as well. Um, cause this is, you know, the empire before we know what they are in the original trilogy. So that's been really cool to see. We're seeing a lot of ties, I think actually to the Han Solo, like flashbacks, like the uniforms and stuff look the same as what they established there. So I, I'm really interested to see the darker side of this universe too, and see how the empire got to where they are, um, as we know them today. Yeah, same. Definitely some callbacks in this. I don't want to give anything away that I found really interesting. And some things I didn't know. I was like, okay, that was cool. I didn't know that the Empire was doing this or doing that. We'll talk about later. Um, So yeah. And I definitely hear you guys on the pacing. I think for me, this actually went by a little bit faster because they were showing me something new in every episode. And my biggest complaint about Star Wars has been it's the same story every single time. I totally hear you though on if this had been you know one episode per week for these first three episodes i think i would definitely be feeling that yeah this is a very slow show yeah so i'm really glad they just dropped three right away makes total sense um i've been seeing a lot of people compare it to like blade runner even more than a lot of other star wars content like it feels similar to that you know with the mystery elements and just the way the world looks i also think when you compare it to the music the music in this show and the score is really good it has that kind of techno element which is super cool So yeah, you know, man, it feels like a bunch of other sci-fi type stories, but it does kind of forge its own path. It feels different than Star Wars, and that's a good thing. And the last thing I'll say non-spoiler is so glad that they went back to the Rogue One style thing, and they're like, you know what? We're going to have some action, some grand sweeping like landscapes and all that stuff. We're going to do as much practical as we can, Um, and it looks way better than any of the other live action stuff. Like, it's already so, like, obviously higher quality just because they're actually using real sets and stuff so happy about that too for sure i would say if if you're only going to watch one star wars thing in 2022 make sure it's andor (laughs) no go watch obi-wan too Uh, i don't know about that (laughs) (laughs) well that was a nice good uh non-spoiler section there we got a lot out but i really don't think we can get too much more in depth here uh without crossing over into spoiler territory so if you have not watched Andor over on Disney+, Plus, you have three episodes out right now that you can check out. Um, go watch those because all three of us sounds like we really recommend it. And then come on back and we can get into all those juicy details together. So let's get into it. All right, everybody, welcome to Spoiler Territory. Before we get into our roundtable discussion, Austin and Keith, how about you hit me with the cast and crew? All right, so Andor is created and written by Tony Gilroy, who is most well-known for writing the original Bourne trilogy. Uh, He also wrote Michael Clayton and Rogue One, and he is the uncredited director for Rogue One's infamous reshoots. Um, The first three episodes so far have been directed by Toby Haynes, who you may know from Doctor Who, Sherlock, and the USS Callister episode of Black Mirror. Our score for the show is composed by Nicholas Brittle, and of course, based on Star Wars by old George himself, George Lucas. All right, and going into our cast, we have Diego Luna returning as Cassian Andor, Kyle Soler as Cyril Karn, Adria Arjorna as Bix, Joplin Siptane as Brasso, James McArdle as Tim, Gary Beadle as Clem Andor, Dave Chapman as the voice of B2MO, with Fiona Shaw as Marva Andor, and we got Stellan Skarsgård as Luthen Ryle. And we still have several cast members that we haven't met yet, that includes Genevieve O'Reilly returning as Mon Montha and Forrest Whitaker as Saul Guerrero. Save the rebellion! <laughs> <laughs> Save the rebellion. Save the dream. <laughs> All right, guys, there's our cast and crew. Any positives, any negatives? What do we got? Yeah, I think I'm going to give my highlight to the people behind the camera, Tony Gilroy and Toby Haynes. I really love that they're continuing what they established in Rogue One. It feels so different from anything else that we're getting in Star Wars, including the Mandalverse. Um, it feels grounded. It feels gritty. It feels very serious. Um, it doesn't feel goofy or like anything I've seen before in Star Wars, and that, that's a huge highlight for someone like me. So I think those two are, are the most positive people uh, attached to this project. I'll go ahead and shout out Adria Arjona as Bix. Uh, I, I'm pretty excited for the new characters we have. You know, like, we, like you were saying, Austin, like, you, know, you want to see some characters that are not involved in the Force world, and I feel like Bix is going to be a cool one, hopefully. Definitely you know, puts a lot of mystery into her character. I'm really Interested in seeing, you know, them becoming rebels later on uh, with the, you know, the new empire taking over and all that. So uh, I thought I thought her character was really cool. Oh, this is a tough one. I feel like almost the honestly, almost the entire cast list, I feel like deserves a shout out in some form or another. 
Um, I mean, like Keith just said, Diego Luna, obviously great seeing him back, even though I wasn't the biggest Cassian Andor fan in Rogue One. I feel like I already know him so much better, um, large part to the writing, of course, but also I think Diego Luna is just a great actor. Ah, oh, man. If I had to pick a main one, oh, I don't know if I can. <laughs> I really liked, um, I really, okay, I really liked Fiona Shaw as Marva Andor. I thought the performance was great. And I'm really fascinated by this, like almost like the push and pull of the stepmother stepson relationship, particularly when you find out that it was kind of forced upon Cassian and you understand why uh, she was obviously she had good intentions to save him. But then when you cut to the present day and you see their relationship, like, yes, there's obviously love and care there, but there is definitely a lot of distance and i have to imagine at least part of that is because you know cassian just one day woke up and he's on a ship leaving his home world and never went back presumably so yeah i I really liked her i thought she was great that's also something we haven't seen in star wars yet is like the effect of these more advanced civilizations on a planet like kamari and how that impacts the people there so that was really exciting to see i didn't realize cassian had that background so i'm excited to learn more about that Mm -hmm. yeah that's cool and I'll shout out uh, Stellan Skarsgård as Luthan, oh, yeah. too. It's always good to see him. I like that guy and everything he's in. He he has just like one of the all-time great voices, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. So good. Bootstrap Bill. Yeah, I always forget. He, yeah, I always forget that. I think this is the main highlight for everybody, including the critics. But like I touched on at the beginning, this show does feel so far removed from the Force and Jedi and everything we're used to in Star Wars. So what are your more broader thoughts on the decision to focus on the everyday people in this galaxy far, far away? Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. Something we've been needing for a while, I guess, because like you said, Austin, um, you know, we're always in the, the force world. Maybe we're not, we're not uh, one or two chain links away, but this one released like three or four because, you know, Mandalorian, he's de- technically not in the force world, but, but he meets up with Boba, of course. So who's, who is in that, in that world? And Luke later. And Luke later. That's right. And he's holding a baby Yoda for his entire <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's cool to kind of go a few links away. Um, and not be in that world and see what's going on on all these other planets in the in the galaxy in the solar system um, and who's controlling them because they all it's kind of cool like cause they all have like their different governments going on and how is the empire able to take over this much sounds like in some way it's all financially based too like just it's easier money wise just to listen to the empire because they're the ones holding all the power it's cool to see which planets kind of say, uh, no, we're going to do our own thing, and which ones are just like, okay, I guess we'll just go with them now, you know? Yeah, I was really fascinated by that element, too. And look, I'm not the, you know, most knowledgeable when it comes to the timeline of Star Wars. Obviously, I know where we're at, you know, currently right before Rogue One and stuff. But I guess what I mean is then there's always been a lot of, like, nebulousness when it comes to the what happened between Episodes 3 and 4. I think largely because it's kind of a lot to explain. It's much easier to just be like, okay, we establish, you know, like the dictatorship of the emperor, you know, ruling the empire at the end of episode three. And then by the events of the original trilogy, that's just, you know, the empire's in full control. You don't really need to know how or why. So I thought it was really interesting to see this side of things because, you know, for example, like after Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan, yes, we saw the emperor briefly, but really that was more about Darth Vader and how Yes, there's stormtroopers and stuff, but it's more about like the Inquisitors and like kind of that personal like detail, like those Jedi hunters he has. It was cool here just to see like really in these first three episodes, it's less about the larger empire and that hold they have. Um, but they tell that through, I mean, cops, essentially. I mean, I don't know what else to call them, like this pre-more corporate security authority. Yeah, like they're just like sec- like security officers. Um, I think it's, you know, very prudent that they're telling a story um, about cops in Star Wars, which is something I never thought I would say. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's interesting to see a different side to the Empire. And even though, you know, these people, I don't know, I, they're bad guys in a lot of ways. Um, not all of them. Like, you know, I think to some of the people that are like sitting at computers doing work, like they're not inherently bad people. But it's nice to get like a more like realistic look at it, even through like a, like the darker side of that kind of conversation with Cyril Karn as this already one of not I'm not saying like an all-time great or anything I'm just saying already maybe one of the more interesting uh villains that we've seen in Star Wars because I think they're obviously setting him up to be maybe the main villain of the season 
but he's basically just an ambitious cop that, you know, is gets an opportunity where this guy, Cassian Andor, kills uh, two other cops. And he's like, why is nobody doing anything about this? And this guy walks in and he's like, hey, man, I appreciate you calling this out. And then he's like, oh, like he gets like, like <laughs> I don't know, like uh, uh, he gets like this weird moment of like, wow. Thank you for recognizing me. Like, he just wants to be seen and appreciated, and he's ambitious. And then seeing him shell-shocked at the end of episode three, like, what a weird new take on the Empire and, like, the things that they get up to. Like, it, it was weird in a good way, but it, it was not something I was prepared to watch. I think it makes a lot of sense, too, coming off of episode three and just where we are in the timeline that in the early stages of the Empire, it would kind of be dictated by these little factions of the empire, the corporate security and, and other things like that, because they're not a cohesive unit yet. Like they just staged their giant coup. So it's going to take some time for the empire that we know to form. So I think it's pretty interesting that there are these factions that are, they're part of the empire, but they, they're not like the cohesive unit of the empire yet. And that, and our villain's boss is going to report to the empire on the status in his sector of the galaxy. But they don't have the resources yet to have like the giant fleets of ships out controlling and, and looming over everybody yet. So I thought that was really cool. Um, just to go back to kind of like the decision to focus on everyday people in this galaxy. I know Rise of Skywalker is a very bad movie, but one of the more interesting parts of that film, I thought, was when we go to that casino planet and meet the orphans and see how really small people in this galaxy are impacted. And it kind of feels like a stepping off point from there, too, of just to see a whole um, industrial planet that's under the shadow of this corporate security faction, but they're still left to their own devices and they have that own little rebellious nature in them. Um, all of that I, I found really cool and it, it makes me feel a little bit more connected to Star Wars because it's, it's everyday people. It's not these like whimsical Jedis floating around all over the place. Yeah. And it's also nice. Like, yeah, I obviously agree with you guys that it's appreciated to, for once, you know, get a story that isn't fully about, you know, a Jedi or just the force in general. Um, but it's also nice that we were able to get a story here where not everybody has that, you know, Luke Skywalker thing, or I guess even Anakin Skywalker or Rey, where it's like, ah, like all like whimsical, like, I can't wait to get off this planet. I know, obviously, episode three ends with Cassian leaving, but that's because of, you know, choices that he made, whether or not it was on purpose. Like he accidentally killed somebody on another planet and then he executed the other one so that, you know, nobody would be able to track him. But he made that choice with good intentions. You know, he's trying to find his sister that he feels, you know, like was stolen from him in a sense. Um, so the fact that he has to, you know, get off his planet at the end of episode three, you know, makes sense. But I guess my point is, and going back to the everyday people thing, I like that, you know, Bix, Tim, Brasso, like everybody there, even I guess Marva to a degree, like it's not the whole thing of, oh, I can't wait to, you know, make money and get out of this place because that's like every story that we ever saw, like on Tatooine or Jakku. And maybe that's because those planets weren't self-sustaining. I mean, they were very different climates and environments, whereas, you know, this planet seems like, yeah, I mean, it's a different industry. You know, it's more industrial, but nobody really seems unhappy here, so to speak. Like, obviously, that shadow of the Empire is looming, like you said, and maybe that will play into it later. But I, all I'm saying is just from that everyday people standpoint, I like that they seem content with this life. They like being here. They like the friends and family they have. It's not, you know, like a, I can't wait to leave type thing. And that's, that's kind of cool. I like that element of it. So, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, we're being kind of general now talking about the focus on everyday people, which I agree with was a really great call. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess getting into more specifics, what did you guys think about them? We've already mentioned some of them by name or like the actors or actresses that we liked, but I don't like, what were some of like your favorite character moments of these people that we got to meet for the first time? I kind of want to get to know everybody a little better. Like, it makes sense. This is a show titled Andor, so we're going to focus a lot on Cassian. I do agree with Keith. I think Bix would be my highlight for, like, the supporting cast. I think she's very interesting. I want to learn, I want to learn more about what she's doing kind of with, it seems like it's smuggling is what I'm assuming. She's smuggling parts to Luthen, and then she gets paid for that. So the Rebellion, is they're kind of known as smugglers, so maybe she's going to become a bigger part of that at some point. Beyond her, I didn't find anybody super interesting just because they didn't have a lot of screen time but i thought bix was a great addition to the supporting cast well and the point i want to make i wanted to make earlier was um going back to like this everyday world was that they're not really looking for like a hero cassian comes back somewhat with a criminal reputation and and they're on the hunt for him and tim tim reports him like probably as he thinks he should he's like he just killed two people 
Well, and he's a little jealous of his relationship. He's with a little Vicks. jealous. That's what makes it interesting, though. It's like you can't, I suppose. I don't know if like Tim finds out that he killed two people you can't immediately go well Tim you're a bad guy for reporting me like I'm with you yeah. I get it but it, that's what makes an interesting and complex character because it's like he's not really doing it for that he's just doing it because he's jealous that Bix and Cassie have a close relationship but I, I totally agree with you Keith like it's an interesting uh, dynamic and choice something we've never seen before either I do think he he does think Cassian is bad for Bix and going to get her in trouble because he does point out like she's always upset when you leave so there could be some like good parts of his motivation there but it's, it's definitely rooted in jealousy i think oh yeah. for sure yeah but i guess my point is they're not looking like it's it's so small scale that they're not looking to hop on the millennium falcon and like fly away like fleeing everybody it's just it's like oh okay what's going on this guy's like he killed two cops and cassian just kind of seems like in to this group he's like kind of the fuck up of the group because everyone's telling him like get a job pay the debts you <laughs> owe like why do you keep leaving the planet so no one is telling him like hey you got to go join the rebellion yeah, because I mean, that's the whole point, because there really isn't one. And you've talked, Keith, about like people looking for a hero. I think that probably encapsulates this time, like this exact moment in the Star Wars timeline. Nobody was looking for a hero. You know, th there is no rebel alliance. There is no opposition to the Empire. So it's going to take people, presumably like Stellan Skarsgård's character, to, you know, make that first push. And then people can kind of surround them. And then, boom, there you have a rebel alliance. So there you go. But yeah, I kind of like that. Like they aren't looking for a hero. That's that's a good way to put it. I don't think they really feel the empire's reach yet either, because they make comments a couple times of like, "Oh, we haven't seen blues in a while," referring to these corporate security forces. So I don't think the empire has the scale yet to impose their daunting like force over everybody in the galaxy. So this specific planet feels pretty disconnected from our broader conflict. I guess it depends like what network in the galaxy you're in. Like I'm sure like the. The main planets we've seen in the past, like Coruscant and all that, are like are feeling it a lot more because they're like more of like the capital, I guess you could say, of the yeah. galaxy. Um, but then like these distant planets all have their own governments that are just trying to decide where they're going to fall. Are they going to be independent? Are they going to be like, oh, the Republic fell. We have to like revive the Republic or, okay, I guess this new empire is taking over. Um, it's probably just easier to go with them. I mean, that's they even have like lines of dialogue that directly point to that, you know, with like the pre-war officers being like, do we have jurisdiction there? And it's like, it doesn't matter. Like, so they're still trying to figure out that their balance, like, you know, some of them want all control. Some of them are kind of content with like, well, this, you know, this is our job. You know, we're cops. And some of them are trying to like Cyril Karn want it to be more than what it is. Um, but that really kind of ties in both points we've made so far with like the everyday people and that. I thought it was really cool to get these flashbacks to Cassian whenever, I guess, you know, his original name, Cassa, on Canari. I mean, do we get more everyday people than this? Like, this is the first time in Star Wars that I know of, at least like the live action stuff that I've seen, where it's like, we're meeting uh, this community on a planet that I didn't see any adults. So it's almost like a child run government. It has like a Lord of the Flies feel <laughs> in that way. Um, they didn't put any subtitles on screen. Um, even if you turn them on, there aren't subtitles. So you're just kind of getting to know them through. Um, I mean, the, obviously, the dialogue's still important, but like uh, just body language and that kind of thing. But I thought this was so cool. I mean, I've not in any of the Star Wars stuff I've seen, seen a community like this. And that was not only was that cool to see, but it ended up being a cool backstory for our main character, I thought. It's hard to catch, but. I think the reason this is a child-run government is because they mentioned later on, and I think in episode three, that there was a mining accident on this planet and it's been inhabitable ever since. I have a feeling the Empire showed up, took all the adults, conscripted them into the mining service. Mining killed a lot of the adults and then the kids are kind of left fending for themselves. But it is really cool to see like when an advanced civilization shows up on this planet of a tribe, essentially, how that impacts them as well. We haven't seen that at all in Star Wars, at least to my knowledge. And it it does make sense that other civilizations would be more advanced than others in this galaxy, but they've never really openly addressed that before. And I thought that was really cool to see. I mean, even going in, we've talked about the friends, even the family side. Like I already talked a lot about Fiona Shaw and like that back and forth. B2 emo, I think, is a different. I don't know how they can they can keep introducing droids and they feel like they have different relationships than we've seen before. Obviously, I think, you know, one of Cassian's defining relationships, like I said, not the biggest Rogue One fan, but. Getting more Cassian Andor and K2SO all day when we are getting K2SO in this show. Alan Tudyk's coming back. There's no way. But yeah, I love is, this baby. relationship, too. It's, it feels different from that. And I thought they had kind of a combative relationship in a sense. But then, you know, 
it, there is like a sweetness to it as well. Like he does care for him. And it's just like a, the droid, it's weird to say, it like kind of like looks like a sad droid. <laughs> it just, looks like a puppy. I felt so bad for this droid. Yeah, the way they designed it. I mean, speaking of puppy, in the first scene, stutter. he gets like accosted and peed on by like a couple like beasts or whatever. <laughs> the stutter is very endearing too. It and, and it like can't control its power cells correctly. Just, yeah, I, I really like this droid. Yeah, it makes you wonder like what? Did like someone kick it too hard or like someone to like burn it with something, like burn one of the wires in it Maybe. so it's, it's not running all the way 100%. I like the element of like a droid can lie, but it just takes extra power essentially. <laughs> that was cool. You know, this guy Karn is kind of a kind of a weasel of a guy. He's very pissed off, but he's not quite um I guess you could say trained in 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 the in the in the field work, you could say. Um, but he wants to like kind of make a name for himself and, and be on this case. So how did you guys like this whole thing with the officers and, and making their way down into Phoenix hunting for Cassian? It's cool to see because just think about where we are in Star Wars. This is obviously like a new government that's now in control of this entire network. It's, it used to be the Republic and now it's kind of shifted to the Empire. It's kind of cool to see a younger guy clash with other people who have been there their entire careers and are just kind of trying to like finish out their day jobs and maybe retire. Um, it makes a lot of sense that there would be kind of an old guard in this faction that maybe they're not as bought into the empire. They're just trying to get through their day. And then we have these younger people coming up who are have really drank the Kool-Aid. They've been trained. Maybe they're indoctrinated a little bit and they're ready to kind of make a name for themselves, but it's clashing with the other ways of doing things. Yeah, I think this was really fascinating because it kind of felt like my comments on Tim earlier where it's like I didn't like him I was not rooting for him um because his intentions were in the wrong place um but that's kind of how I felt here because on the surface I get you know if you're like the security officer and like not on your watch necessarily but in your like you know in your purview like two other officers are killed you would probably want to, you know, find out who did it and, you know, capture them or whatever. Like that, you know, obviously passes the logic test. But then things just kind of keep happening and happening that makes you go, okay, you took it too far. Like whenever he's telling people to basically help him and they're like, I don't think that planet's on our jurisdiction. That should be like you stop there, <laughs> right? I mean, technically you have to. And he's like, no, we, we should have jurisdiction everywhere. And it's like, well, that's not, yeah, don't say that. Um, and then like whenever the other officer comes in and he's the one that's like, I really appreciate that you're taking charge on this. Like, this is a good thing. We need to take these guys down again. Like, okay. It's like, okay, I guess this guy also wants to stop that passes the logic test, but then the conversation keeps going and he's basically just saying without saying it, that he wants to go kill people. Like he's like bloodthirsty essentially. And it's like, oh, that's not good. Uh, another thing it's like, I understand Cyril's logic, but then like whenever he's talking to the Imperial the first Imperial officer, he's the guy that's like, eh, let's just not report it. It'll make our reports to, you know, the, the higher ups look better. It's like, oh, that's bad. <laughs> so it's just this constant like ping pong back and forth of like you understand why he's going after Cassian. But like at every like, you know, turn, it's like oh, you see like a roadblock that should stop him, but he doesn't let him stop him. And then, of course, it culminates in them going down to the planet and doing their siege that doesn't really go super well for them, but there are casualties. I mean, they kill Tim, not Cyril directly, but they kill him for what? He was not running towards them to attack them. He was just running towards like to help this person that that he loves, presumably. And then they shoot him. And then the, what what happened there? Like the guy just like takes his gun. He's like, go back to the ship. Basically, get out of here. Get out of here. Nobody saw this. It's like they're trying to cover it up already. It's crazy. There's also like a lack of awareness on Cyril's part because They've established that they don't really have a presence on this planet, but he thinks they're going to go into this planet armed and they're going to like be received very well. There's not going to be any conflict. They're just going to go in and get Cassian and get out. But that's not really how this is going to go at all. And you can kind of see this coming when they land and all like the sideways glances at the civilians on this planet are giving them like you can tell this is going to this is like a match to like a melting pot where they're just they don't think they should be there. They think they should be following the Empire's rules and then it just kind of boils over and it's kind of like a very natural starting point for a broader rebellion. It's funny just like how like not competent some of these cops are too. Like they're just like you said, Austin, they're just there just to get through the day and just do their job. And it's funny when Karn tries to give that motivational speech oh. and they're all just looking at him like 
can we just go? <laughs> like, what, yeah. what is this guy doing? They don't respect him because he. What is he? He he he's just like a security officer that kind of like got really angry, like puffed out his chest, stomped on the ground a bunch, and was like, "We should go get Cassian." And then <laughs> yeah. now, because of that, they forced all of these other like twelve or however many people to come in. So they're like, "Fuck this guy." We're like on the ground people. Who's this guy? <laughs> it's like in your day job when you get a new boss who doesn't understand like the culture of your team yet. And they're saying like, we're going to do great things together. And it's like, I don't even know you yet. Why are you talking to me like this? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Before we jump into the action, I guess we should kind of jump into Luthen's introduction and how that kind of plays into uh, Cassian having the, uh, the box that I guess... What is it? Prevent? Yeah, you can't be like tracked on like a star map or something like that with this little box to go into your ship's hyperdrive. Yeah, so it pretty much gives you like stealth mode on your ship and and Luthen's coming in to buy it for like 40,000 credits or something like that. So what do you think of Luthen's introduction coming in on like the, the shitty little bus transport thing? The bus transport, I actually thought was a nice touch because he talks to this older gentleman who's complaining that now there's like a queue to get into the actual city where you used to be able to just kind of land and come in. So like there are these tiny little changes that make your day to day harder with the new government. People are frustrated by that. So I thought that was cool. The thing I like most about Luthen is he's he could care less about this box. He's more interested in Cassian and how he got it and the skills he had. I'm really excited to see their relationship in the future of the show. Yeah, definitely one of the things I'm most excited for. We already talked about Stellan Skarsgård. He's just always been one of my favorite actors. So to see him pop up, I was really stoked. And I know we're going to get into the action itself in a bit, but just the fact that there is this crazy like action set pieces and this like siege happening and then just like contrasting that to just this, you know, kind of like casual in terms of presentation conversation between Luthen and Cassian. Uh, and yeah, once you kind of got hints that, oh, maybe he doesn't really care about the box. Maybe he is kind of testing casting because he's heard about this guy and maybe he'd be a good fit and he has the right mentality and the right history potentially to, uh, you know, make this rebel alliance something stronger. So I love that back and forth in that warehouse. I thought it was awesome. Uh, like I said earlier, we already got like that implication like, oh, I guess Cassian's adoptive father was hung in the street at some point. Um, I want to know more about that. And that's when Cassian kind of you know, breaks that defense for the first time and they start, you know, having more like real conversations about like the implications of the empire and maybe that should be put down. So love this. And then even once the action starts and it's like, oh, the box, I got to get the box. And it's like, oh, who gives a fuck about the box? Let's get out of here. <laughs> I, I need you. Not, I don't care about the box. Uh, loved all that stuff. Well, yeah, let's jump into that warehouse scene then um, going into the action with the, uh, the officers coming down and on their shuttles and uh, with all the, like the chains coming down. That was so cool looking. What did you guys awesome. think about that? <laughs> yeah. It was great. It was chaotic. It was hard to keep track of what was happening. It was stressful. Um, really cool, like, first action scene. I, I don't think we're going to get a ton of action in this show, but it's nice to know that when we are going to get it, it's going to be really intense and feel very real. Or even if we just got like, little hints, like, it's going to be brutal. Like, I love that, like, you know, one element of Cassian's reintroduction in the show is obviously going to that bar and trying to find out about a girl that may have worked there from Canari, who we know is his sister. And then he leaves and to stop those officers, like, I just love the element of like him accidentally killing one and like kind of like a, you know, a fist fight. And then the fact that he executes that guy, it felt exactly like Cassian's introduction in Rogue One where he just kills yeah. that, uh, that person kind of in cold blood. It's like, oh, shit, like this is a quote unquote good guy because he's on the rebels, but he's down to do some unsavory things if it kind of helps him or his friends, essentially. Uh, so we, we'll get cool moments like that. But yeah, this warehouse action scene. It's funny. Whenever you think about Star Wars and, like you say, action, I mean, what do we all think about? We think of um, Duel of the Fates. Lightsabers. Right. We think of the Phantom Menace lightsaber hallway, like the two-on-one the high ground, Darth Maul. Or ships. We think about the most over-choreographed fight scene of all time between Anakin and Obi-Wan in episode three, but it still looks pretty <laughs> badass. Uh, it's, it's all that. The blasters are always fun to look at, but those are never cool scenes. Uh, the fact that they made like a gunfight here cool was pretty awesome. You know what I don't think about when I think about action in Star Wars? Hmm. What? I don't think about any scene from the Obi-Wan show. Oh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I also just like the element of the warehouse fight wherever it's like, because I was kind of with Cassie and I was like, why the, why the hell are we still here? Like, I understand, like, we have to finish this conversation. We should get out of here because, like, they're coming, clearly. And then just what was like Luthen's line is like, whenever you make your entrance, you set up your exit. And then he just blows the doors and the windows. <laughs> it's like, that's sick. 
what do you guys think about like the, like the townspeople and how they kind of came together with like the clinking of the cups and the metal and all that? I really like that being paired with uh, Marva's narration of like, this is what happens when you step on people for too long. At some point, things come to a head. Um, and then when it did get silent, that was almost scarier than the actual noise. Oh, yeah, for sure. That was creepy. I mean, there was tons of great moments in this like entire extended sequence. Um, like whenever Cassian and Luthen did kind of happen upon Cyril, and they capture him. And of course, he just breaks down immediately. He tells them exactly how many people are there. We don't see them tie him up, but presumably he didn't fight being tied up and like hog tied and uh, having his mouth bound. Um, so there are, yeah, there's like cool little like character moments there. Um, yeah, I thought this was all uh, cool. And then, of course, their classic distraction of sending out that car or whatever you would call it in Star Wars. And then like Cyril's face, like, we got him, boys. <laughs> and then just watching Cassian and Luthen just peel out on that speeder right away and then just watching his face like. I'm like I fucked up so bad. It was like awesome, an awesome conclusion to the action. And what about the the part whenever they send the officer, one of the officers, back to the uh, the shuttle to oh, yeah. to get it up, and then it's attached to some some heavy object from a chain. I guess that was Brasso and the other guys that did that. Maybe I didn't even think about that, Keith. But yeah, I think you're right because whenever I think they first landed, didn't they show that Brasso and like that crew of people like were like around the ship? like working so they presumably could have just like tied it up yeah they didn't think that one through though because what if they had apprehended cassian and cassian was on that ship <laughs> they're like oh fuck <laughs> <laughs> sorry bro <laughs> like oh man my bad <laughs> so we did get a three episode premiere uh from this point on i, I believe it's going to be weekly that the episodes are released so we have a, a lot of time to spend with this show over the next nine weeks so i just want to know what are you guys looking forward to the most for the remainder of the season um, so I know we're going to be getting Mon Mantha at some point in here. So it's going to be cool to see her come back and see how she employs uh, Luthen and Cassian. And I guess hopefully Bix as well as some key players or maybe maybe some like key officers as the, re- as the rebels and, and see what kind of like plans they come up with, you know, um, as far as starting the resistance. I mean, what are they going to, how are they going to, how are they going to start it is my question. Um, Are they going to be going from planet to planet, like moraling everybody? Or are they going to go blow up something and be like, all right, this is it. This is a resistance. I do want to see some empire come in at some point. Doesn't it be drastic? I know we, I know we we're all kind of hyped up on how, you know, small scale this, this little network is right now, but it would be cool to see some stormtroopers come in at some point. There were stormtroopers in the trailer, so I'm pretty sure we will be getting that. Um, I I like that they started small, but if this is the story of the rebellion, it does need to get bigger, I think. Yeah. And I think it is going to gradually grow in scale. And I'm excited to see how that plays out. I do also, since this is like the Rogue One prequel show, I hope there are some connective threads there. Like it'd be cool if Mads Mickelson maybe made an appearance. Um, just things like that, that you could kind of see the seeds there of, of how we got to where we were in Rogue One. And then I'm also kind of looking forward to like first contact. Like, are we going to see the rebellion's first like major battle with the Empire? Like things like that, I think would be really cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you get Mads Mikkelsen with the specific role he had, but I bet we get Ben Mendelsohn at some point if you want to contrast like the rise of the rebels. Um, but yeah, it, yeah, I don't know what the rebels are going to be up to because it did seem like, you know, five years from the, you know, where they're at in this show, five years later is when they steal the Death Star plans. It's like that seemed like kind of like the first big thing that the rebels did. But what were like the little things that they were doing leading up to that to kind of become a thorn in the empire side? I'm excited to find out what that is. I know like waiting for cameos is never fun, but I would be like genuinely shocked. I mean, we have to see Jimmy Smits again as Bail Organa. Like he was also hugely high up in the rebels. So I'm sure you get him coming back. Do we see like Donnie Yen or any of them? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Saw Guerrero, like he's... By the time of Rogue One, he was kind of like an outsider, if I recall. He was a renegade. Like, he was, like, allied with the rebels, but then he kind of, he didn't, like... He was too drastic. Yeah, he didn't... Right, exactly. He just became too drastic. So, I know, I imagine part of this show will explain why. That could be kind of interesting. But I'm just really excited to see the rebels build up. Because, like I said at the beginning, I always thought it was interesting that the show was called Andor. But really, it kind of seems more about, you know, the rebel alliance forming in the first place. So... I guess Andor is just going to be kind of the main like POV character for that, which is already kind of an interesting idea. So it's one that I'm pretty excited to see play out. Um, the relationship that we've already seen between Luthen and Cassian is super fun. 
I want more of that. And then I don't know how they do it since he's off planet now, but I'm curious how his relationship with his friends and his mom is going to kind of progress as the show goes on. Does he find his sister? What does that look like? Who the hell knows? I mean, there's lots of interesting threads I'm excited to see uh, pick up. I would like to see some familiar planets come back too. Tatooine? Not Tatooine. I swear to God, <laughs> if Tatooine is in this show, I'm mm. done with Star Wars. <laughs> no, I would like to see some familiar, not Tatooine, uh, some planets come back like Naboo maybe or... or uh, well, we have to see Coruscant, right? Coruscant. Yeah, I want to see Coruscant. What's going on? Like, how is this, how is the power changing there? Is are all the, there's, are there is there a shit ton of stormtroopers just patrolling everywhere there now? Are we gonna see that diner with Obi Wan's friend? Uh, Dex. Dex. Dex and Bix could open a place together. <laughs> yeah, uh, be cool to see them like go to like a planet like Hoth and like establish the Echo base that we do see oh, later. That'd on. Be oh, that'd cool. be cool. You know, something like that would be fun. It's also really interesting because I don't know if you guys know this, but they really are doing something kind of different than I feel like whenever they announce TV shows with this one. So. We know this first season is 12 episodes, so I guess it'll end like sometime at the end of November or something. And then they've already announced season two, which is also going to be 12 episodes. And then that's it. Like that second season ends. And then presumably, you know, Rogue One starts after that. So these two seasons of 24 episodes total is going to tell this, you know, five year story about Andor and the Rebels leading up to Rogue One. So I kind of like knowing that going in. Um, and I'm really curious, like, after I watch all of this, if I go watch Rogue One again and if it's going to, like, you know, mean a lot more. So I- I'm excited to know that the show isn't going to be, like, stretched out and then for, like, five years and then it ends. And it's like, oh, that Rogue One happens. No, it's kind of like a contained story. So I- I'm interested in that, too. Frankly, I, I don't want to see a single lightsaber or use of the force at all in this show. I really like where we're at today. I also hope we get, like, one episode that's that's almost like a history lesson of... Here's where we left the Empire in episode three, and here's what they've been doing in this time frame, and here's how they got to where we see them in episode four. Yeah. I bet we get that, and um, we'll probably do like some episodes on Coruscant, like Mon Mothma, see what she's up to, because she was like a big part of like the Senate, so she's probably still dealing with like this new like dictator version of the Senate, uh, and then maybe that's when she pairs up with like Stellan Skarsgård or something, and then he starts going out and recruiting people potentially on like Mon Mothma's like orders. I don't know. Uh, but I bet we'll get that kind of little history lesson. I'd like that too, because I want to know what's been going on and understand it better. Do you think we'll see Keith's favorite character of all time, Wedge and TAs in flight school? <laughs> and oh. TAs. That's still one of my favorite moments <laughs> when Keith said that without even thinking twice. What do you guys think of uh, Wedge and TAs? <laughs> The, the correct Hispanic pronunciation is funny. He'll definitely be coming in for sure. Definitely. Just to piss Austin off to do like a one minute shot in Taji Station and Tatooine with little young Luke hanging out there with With Biggs. his best 50 year old friend Biggs. <laughs> <laughs> and even McGregor's just on a hill with binoculars watching him. Oh yeah. We'll get like a back. freaking creeper. Just stares at this little boy all day. <laughs> Uh-oh. All right. Well, guys, before we close out, we got to do our Arnie's Podcast Awards. Um, it's just the part of the show. You know, we take something can't be positive. It can't be negative, like Obi-Wan looking through binoculars at a young boy. It's, just, it's something that we think deserves specific call out. So, guys, who wants to start us off with Andor? Yeah, I'm actually going to be stealing an award that Matt gave out in our Obi-Wan episode. And it's a simple one, but it's the only one I can give. And it's just the best new droid award. And that's going to be 2 emo. This droid is super endearing. Super cute, and I really hope we see more of him in this show. All right. My award is one that um, I feel passionate about because I think there's a lot of characters in this show that if you think about it in one way or another, they could probably get this award. So maybe as the show goes on, I'll give the same award to other characters. But unfortunately, there is one super big offender, and I did not like that he did not get chastised for it more. And that is the Loose Lips Award. And it goes to Cassian Andor. Uh, the scene whenever they find out with his mom and a B2 emo that he there there's a male fitting Cassian's description from Canari that is being searched for for this crime. And she's like, what the hell happened? We, I've never told anybody that you're from Canari. And then it's basically just revealed that Cassian's like told like everybody, <laughs> everybody he's ever met in his life yeah. knows he's from Canari. <laughs> he's told all of his friends, all the girls he likes, all the people he's had one night stands with. He's told everyone. Um, so even though it was his own fault, because None of them told um, that he was from Canari. It was, it was his doing by telling the bartender. He's still playing a, a scary game by telling quite literally everybody that his backstory is a lie. 
Uh, I'm going to give the best security award, and that does not go to the Morlana cops. It goes to the two hounds in the ship lot. Those things look pretty scary if you let them loose. They had big-ass bones there to chew on. And they're just running around peeing on everything, too. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like you would not want to step into that lot at night because you might get your leg bitten off by one of those things. But apparently Cassian goes there every night yeah, and steals ships, so and just, like, maybe they're not ships, very yeah. good security dogs. So actually, let me change my award to the worst security award. Goes to the two <laughs> hounds. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Most deadbeat hero award goes to Cassian Andor because everyone's telling him to get a job in this show. Yeah. God. Everybody hates him. <laughs> <laughs> they love and hate him. They love to yeah. hate him. Uh, but with that, thank you everybody so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we really would appreciate that to continue to grow our show. Please leave us reviews as well. Even if you don't want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts really does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. We'll be back on Tuesday with the return of our best Halloween movie bracket. We each submitted four movies, so we will battle it out to see what comes out on top. This is our third iteration, so it's going to be an exciting one. Also, it's going to be fun because I have to go back and look. We have not done a bracket episode since this last March. So it has been quite a bit. I, for one, am super excited to not only get back into the format, but to talk all things Halloween and spooky movies. And last week, if you want to hear us talk about a horror movie, uh, before our Halloween bracket, we did put out our thoughts on the new thriller, scary movie, Barbarian. All three of us loved it. We can't recommend this one enough. And lastly, we want to hear from you, so please send us a message on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us thearniesmedia at gmail.com. What did you think of Andor? Did Tim deserve to die for being an arc? Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live on our latest episode. That's right, everybody. Have a good rest of your week. We'll see you next time for the official start of Spooky Season, so get excited for that. Peace. See ya. I rebel. Ha <laughs> ha!